Welcome to the PA Football Story Podcast, where your host, Chad Brubaker, will sit down and talk to coaches and players to discuss the classic stories and rich history surrounding the game of football in Pennsylvania. Please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to get all of the latest content. You can also follow us on Twitter at the PA Football S1. Again, that's the PA Football S and the number one, or on our Facebook page, the PA Football Story Podcast. If you would like to contact us about advertising, please email us at pafootballstorypodcast at gmail.com. Today's guest on the PA Football Story Podcast is Jim Terwilliger, head football coach at East Stroudsburg University. Prior to becoming the head coach for the Warriors, Coach Terwilliger was the head football coach at Pleasant Valley High School for five years, as well as an assistant at Parkland High School. An alum of East Stroudsburg, where he was coached by his father, Mike, Terwilliger was a four-time All-American and 2005 winner of the Harlan Hill Trophy. Now, here's your host, Chad Brubaker. All right, so we are here with Coach Terwilliger from East Stroudsburg. And really, when I was coming up with the concept of this podcast, uh, Coach Terwilliger is uh, the model uh, of who should be on this podcast as he has uh, played football in Pennsylvania in both high school and college. He has been an assistant football coach in high school and college, and he's been a head football coach in high school and college. Actually, there probably aren't very many people who could say that on their resume. Well, so I, I think maybe I, I should have to be able to say something influential today to somebody. You know? Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I trust that you will. So, well, thanks for being here. So we'll start, we'll start from the beginning, you know, um, for those who may not know, um, your father was, how many years has he been in East Stroudsburg? Dad has been here since 1974, you know, so you know, he's from your neck of the woods. That's uh, right. Cocalico, he's a Calico grad. Cocalico, uh, Blue Eagles. Um, he no came blue, here no blue, just straight up just, Eagles. Just the Eagles, okay. Royal blue, royal blue. You got the colors right. That's though. very true. Um, he came here in 1974 uh, to, to play for Charlie Reese. And then uh, Charlie Reese retired and it was Denny Dowds' first year as head coach was dad's freshman year. And dad's been here ever since. So uh, I grew up in East Stroudsburg. My dad uh, came here uh, for about 40 years ago and he's never left. I was raised in this, uh, in this town and uh, well, I grew up with my sisters. Uh, Kelly was a head field hockey coach up in uh, Colby College up in Maine. And Jackie's my uh, youngest uh, sister. She's an assistant principal at Stroudsburg High School. So we're all very local and dad's been here since 1974. So you grew up and you were basically in a football bubble in the sense that, you know, you grew up around football and I'm sure, um, you know, from a very young age, you were around East Stroudsburg football. Well, uh, you know, I joke to people all the time, coach, you know, my heroes have all been warriors. You know, like some guys grow up with like NFL posters on their walls. You know, I had the East Stroudsburg media guide on yeah, my right. wall and uh, I was blessed uh, in my childhood to have been raised around some really great mentors um, sure. and coaches, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the stories and some of the people uh, per se that's come through East Stroudsburg. But in a sense, you know, 
there was only ever really one color in my wardrobe. It was <laughs> red, you know, you couldn't catch me in yellow or, or maroon or anything else. It, it was always red. Um, and it was, it was really neat to be raised around a football program, especially one like Denny Dow's ran where it was a family like atmosphere. I literally cut my teeth, you know, in the Kohler field house. I think yeah. I know every front door and back door to this university. Um, which is, uh, which is an interesting deal. But I will say this, uh, I was really blessed at a young age to be, and anybody is, to be around such great role models. I got to see at a very young age, you know, young men getting their college educations, you know, working, practicing. Um, and it was really an awesome experience. And all my heroes have all been warriors. And sometimes it's unique because now that I'm the head coach and, you know, they're alums, I sometimes get a little bit, you know, gun shy talking with them because those are the guys that, you know, I idolized. Right. I had a really hard time. Um, I think it was the spring of 2015. I was coaching at Parkland High School and Brett Comp joined the staff. Right. Um, Brett Comp, you know, he was a, he was a, a hero to me, you know. So there I am with my childhood hero. I'm about to coach football with him. Real surreal experience. Uh, yeah. So, uh, really unique uh, upbringing uh, from East Stroudsburg. Uh, played at East Stroudsburg High School and then came to East Stroudsburg University. So, uh, well, there's three really things here that I think, you know, I, I don't know who our target audience is. I think basically our target audience is anybody that's associated with PA football in any way. But there's three things kind of from your pre interview that I wanted to touch on because if there's any kids uh, listening, out there, I think that um, there's a couple things I want to touch on. And if you could address each of these things, the first thing is that you played soccer up until ninth grade. And I'm sure that kind of would surprise some people, um, you know, from the start. So just address that real quickly. Was that a benefit to you? Was that a, you know, did that, you know, affect football in any way? Chad, I'm torn because, you know, um, I grew up in a house where my dad never really, he allowed me to make decisions for myself of what I wanted to do though. He was, you know, a college football coach. And when I would be dropped off at the bus stop, I would go to ESU football practice every day. I really enjoyed soccer and I played that all the way up through. Um, I believe there's a lot of good in that. You learn hand-eye coordination, you're moving around, you're a part of a team. Uh, You know, it's an, it's an invasive sport. So, you know, it, it's, it's score or be scored on. Um, sure. And I think a lot of times you get hung up on, well, if you're going to play football, you got to play youth football at a young right. age and right. you got to put on the pads and Hey, I was five foot, nothing, a hundred, nothing. I'm still five foot, nothing, a hundred, <laughs> nothing. You know? And, you know, to me, I really wanted to play football, Chad. It wasn't that yeah. I didn't want to play. I got to give him my right arm, but, uh, Dad said, as soon as the high school has a team, you can play for the high school. Um, and I did that and I didn't miss a beat. You know, I, right. uh, I, I threw all the way up through. I could always throw a football. Um, I loved playing pickup, pickup games in the backyard, but I didn't play organized football toss in ninth grade. And yeah. to be honest with you, um, I had a burning passion to do that. I've seen, you know, firsthand where guys start off at a young age. Sometimes it's like you peak too early and you burn out too early. I had a burning passion all the way through high school, through college. I still have it. 
Yeah. And uh, of course, yeah. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, especially parents, they think, well, you're gonna miss something. And you know, when you're a football coach, you're, you're you're just putting athletes in great positions. Right. And being an athlete means you can do a variety of different things. And I don't think that you should, you know, really you know, converge those opportunities into just one way of doing it. So that was my, I played too. and I, it's good. It's warms my heart a little bit to hear your dad's approach to everything, because, you know, I had the same philosophy in terms of my kids. Like my son will be a senior at Wilson uh, in the fall. And, uh, you know, I could be the dad who says you're going to the weight room. And I, I just don't do that. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I want him to. And actually it's great that he's kind of come to that decision on his own and you can't get him out of the weight room. And uh, obviously Wilson has a great um, weight room program and everything, but you know, his, he's learned his work ethic on his own. So I think that's a, a great approach and not to be too, don't get too caught up in, you know, there's a travel tournament this weekend or a camp here or, you know, a showcase yeah. there. Those things, those things kind of go by the wayside and don't necessarily translate to, to, uh, you know, success. And then the other thing I thought was, and there's two more things with the second thing was that in high school, you never had a winning season. And I yeah. think a lot of parents, you know, think that uh, they need to, you know, there's a transfer portal in, in college football. And unfortunately in Pennsylvania, there's a little bit of a uh, unspoken or unofficial. You mean there's transfer. not a transfer portal in high school? Uh, well, you know. There, there kind of is, it's unofficial, but okay. you know, a lot of parents have the uh, opinion that you have to play at a, you know, program that's, you know, winning or, or there's a lot of promises made. We know there's a lot of backdoor deals and promises and it seems like you weren't tempted by that, or obviously your dad wasn't tempted by that to transfer you out to a, another school. You know, it, to me, and now that I'm on the other side and I coach college football, you know, if you're a player, it, it sticks out, you know, and, and regardless of, of where you're at, you know, being able to play, you know, you are what you put on film. Sure. And, and to me, that's, that's a huge deal. And yeah, I, I never had a winning season in, in high school. Now, my freshman, excuse me, my sophomore year was my first year starting. Uh, we were one in 11. Yeah. You know? And uh, then we were six and six and five and seven. And I could tell you stories up and down, you know, about that. But to me, um, I still found a path to get to where I needed to go. Is and, there a lesson and, there that you think might have, uh, you know, did you learn? You can learn from losing. In fact, a lot of times you learn more from losing in a lot of situations. No, it reveals character. You know, yeah. I, I don't know if it builds character, but it reveals it, you know. And you know, when we were one in 11, my sophomore year, I can remember, you know, sitting down with the, you know, my head football coach, Ed Christian, and he looked at me after the season and said, what do you want to do? And I said, coach, I want to be a great quarterback. I want to be a great quarterback. And that blossomed into a relationship where we'd meet every day and, and Ed, you know, Ed Christian, uh, he put a lot of time and effort into just developing the team and it, it really built us up and we went six and six and we thought, man, we turned the world over. Sure. And then we went five and seven. And, you know, when I got done playing high school football um, and looked at colleges, that's another interesting story. You well, know, that's my third, a, that's probably my <laughs> third one. 
My third one is that you weren't highly recruited, if at all, out of high school. Now here's I'm a, I'm five foot nine on a good day, Chad. Right. Uh, you know, not not a lot of coaches are looking at a five foot nine, you know, 165 pound quarterback. My options were very limited. I, you know, played uh, in before their spread offense, so we were an 21 personnel I formation team, and we'd boot and waggle every so often, throw a couple of fades in between, you know. Um, and you know, I can only re- really remember being recruited by by two other coaches, by Rich Manello when he was at King's College, he's now the head coach at Dallas, right, and right. Jeff Narr when he was the offensive coordinator at Muhlenberg. And then this bald guy named Denny Dowds, who I grew up idolizing, comes in and says, "Hey." We want to give you a shot at quarterback. And I thought, wow, get to play for daddy, you know? Yeah, right, right. So um, you didn't, you don't have to be highly recruited. It's not something that I think, you know, everybody wants to go through the process and have different options. You know, when you know what you want, when you know what you value, somehow the world conspires to help you get to where you're supposed to be. And yeah. uh, that was important to me. And I, I did end up at a place that I love and, and it ended up working out. Yeah. And that's, you know, so just for people that don't know about your career and you were, uh, you know, you're very humble about things, but you definitely made the most of your time. You, you know, you came in and redshirted, but then after that, you were four time uh, division two all American and ended your senior year winning the Harlan Hill trophy, which is the equivalent of the Heisman trophy. And uh, just, I mean, I don't know if it, everybody thought that came out of nowhere. How did you, how did you, uh, could we back up? To oh, sure. Can we back up to the red shirt season? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, when Jeremy Palm was, was, <laughs> was the starting quarterback and I know you guys go deep, you know, yeah. uh, but I saw Jeremy, Jeremy on Sunday. Well, Jeremy uh, is, is a great friend. Um, taught me a lot about this position. Uh, but I will tell you, you know, it sounds really good to come in red shirt a year and get a, get a year underneath your belt, learn. And, and it sounds good in hindsight, but when you're living it, it's yeah. not easy. No. And, and I will tell you this is uh, if you're a competitor, you want to play. And um, I think this goes a lot, you know, for, for this generation of kids. And I, I'll, I'll tell our, our roster this all the time. I tell our team, you know, there were times that I distinctly remember I wanted to quit. Sure. I wanted out. Um, I wanted, you know, I couldn't believe I, I wasn't playing. I went from a three-year starting quarterback at a team that never won and, you know, hey, now I'm in college and I want to play right now. And Jeremy Palm was our starting quarterback. And uh, if it wasn't for guys like him, if it wasn't for guys like Matt Triolo, and I'll, I could name drop a thousand other Warriors that just said, hey, stick with it, man you know, and befriended me and, and took me under the, their wing. That's a very tough year for anybody. And everyone goes through it. You know, every single high school student that goes to college goes through it. Every single intermediate school star that goes to the varsity sure. goes through it. Those transition periods take great leadership. And I'm very blessed uh, of people that, that really stuck out because I can remember um, my second week of training camp. And Chad, you probably recall this. <laughs> uh, yeah. you no, know, you probably recall the old school training camp, three of days. Oh. And when you had to love football, you know, you had to love football to, to go through, you know, three a day practices. Um, and 
I can remember that the second week I went home, which is literally two miles away from the college campus. So sure. it wasn't, wasn't that far. Yeah. And of course, dad wasn't, dad wasn't at home. He was in the office watching film. And my poor mother was like a sounding board. And I right. said, I can't do this. I, you know, this isn't for me. I can't play for the old man. You know, I want to do this and that. And uh, all she said to me was real calmly, stick <laughs> with it. You'll find your way. Yeah. Stick with it. You'll find your way. And, you mean uh, she didn't call the coaches and start <laughs> complaining and arguing that you should be starting? I'm, I'm sure there was some late night conversations, but you know, if if you know my father, you, you know that's a stern conversation. Yeah, that he sure. Had. Um, so, uh, but that red shirt season for everybody that's going through it, it takes time. And what I tell our guys all the time is, focus on being a great teammate. Yeah. You know, what, for our incoming freshmen this year, we're about to you know, national signing day is is a week away. Focus on being a good teammate first. Yeah. You know, take care of yourself before you lead others and before you go and do this. Focus on being a great teammate, and the rest will take care of itself. Um, because after that redshirt season, you know, and we went through some hard times, and I learned a lot from from the guys that were currently there. We had a lot of success, but it wasn't because of talent. It was because of really good people that that loved one another, and and we had some really great times playing. And the success on the field was a byproduct of the love that, that was formed really in those early years of going through that together. Well, it's a great lesson for everybody. I tell our kids all the time, listen, you, whether you're going division three, division two, you're going up against grown men. <laughs> so if you think you're an 18 year old and you've always started and you've always got on the field and things like that, you're, there's 21, sometimes 22 year old men that, you, you know, had four more years of, developing their athletic abilities, their strength, you know, go down the list, their leadership skills, everything. So, you know, it's about um, when you get that opportunity, take it, but don't expect to come in and, and set your, the whole football program on fire because you, you, you arrived, you know, it's not that. We live in the sports center society. Yeah. You know, no one sits down to watch the full game anymore. Yeah. They want to watch you know, the TikTok video of it, or they want to watch the, the, the top 10 highlights and to see the slam dunks and, you know, the, the sexy three point shot with a crossover. And they forget that like 30 points of that game was, was, was from free throws, you sure. know, and the time it takes in between. And you know, everybody wants it now. Everybody wants it as soon as humanly possible, but the lessons that you learn going through some stuff will help shape who you are. And, uh, you know, when I came to East Stroudsburg in 2002, um, that was, that was, you know, looking back at it, I'm very glad I redshirted. Um, but it's a very great lesson in being humble. It's a very great lesson in, you know, where blossom, where you're planted. Yeah. This is a story of Jeremy Palman. Jeremy, I hope you're listening to this one. Okay. <laughs> because here it is. This was a, this was a great deal at East Stroudsburg, the starting quarterback. He's the man. He's the field general. The second guy in, well, you're the note taker. Okay. And the third guy in is the signaler. Well, I got, I got the, uh, the clipboard and I'm trying to soak all this in. They're playing a game. And you know, when you know, and you're playing, you're zoom focused. Sure. And uh, Palmy comes to the sideline and I see the defense playing a high cover two. Okay. And I said, you know, so Jeremy's on the phone with, with my dad. And I said, Hey, Palmy, Palmy. 
Do you see the high cover too? Do you see the high cover too? What, what do you think about running the China route? What do you think about running the China route? And he looks at me, he goes, stick to your damn clipboard. And I went, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, Paul, me, I still remember that, pal. And uh, you can bet your tail. I wanted to, I wanted to break that clipboard across my knee, but blossom where you're planted, you know, earn your keep. Um, and those, those lessons shape you. Well, you, you played know, so. for your dad. So that's another unique experience. Uh, obviously, you know, you had a ton of success, but I'm sure there were some practices where um, <laughs> heads butted together a little bit because that's another level of the, you know, relationship. It's not only a coach player relationship, but a father son relationship. And I'm sure your dad, knowing uh, your dad a little bit, uh, I'm sure he was hyper aware of any misperceptions that could occur <laughs> yeah, if you were perceived as getting some favoritism. Yeah. Well, um, I will say this, and probably for any any person coaching their son or or you know or sons that have been coached by the father, they can go through it. Um, it's both the most rewarding time of your life, uh, but it is not the easiest. Um, and there's times where, you know, especially when you're 18, 19 years old, you think you, you know, well, he's telling me the sky is blue. I'm saying, oh, it's a shade of green today. Um, <laughs> right. But I would tell you this is I look back at those times, Chad, and, and I just, you know, I wouldn't trade them for anything um, was such a was such a great experience. But it is edgy, you know, and this game of football is played and it's coached by emotional people. Um, sure. And and those emotions are real. It's what makes this sport the great sport. Um, and there's nobody no more, more passionate than my father. So if you can imagine, you have you have a, a very competitive greenhorn. Um, I have a, I have a little bit of a small man complex because I'm shorter than everybody, and I have to prove everyone wrong. And there's a competition inside of me that's relentless. And then you have, you know, the old oak who's been here since 1974. This is the way it is. So when when the greenhorn and the old oak meet, it is uh, there was some stories. Some of them. Uh, we laugh about today and some of them, they just need to be kept in a lock and, you know, and never come out. But, uh, well, we want to hear was, some of those. Give us some good ones. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, here's one for you. I, my first year starting, um, we traveled down to Shepherd, and back in those days, you to know, take the rock. We, 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 uh, we went down on the hill. We went down to Shepherd, and, uh, you know, I'm playing and I may have been like my first or second game into my redshirt freshman season. So it's not like I've proven myself at all as a starting quarterback. Right. I had just taken over the reins and uh, we go down to Shepherd and, and it's a mud pit. And uh, I was always taught that, you know, when we are 21 personnel running ISO or power and the outside linebacker is inside the box. Well, nowadays they call that free access and right. they call that a quick key screen. Well, in those days, check the daggone play, you know, <laughs> check the daggone play. There was no built-in RPOs then. It was check the daggone play. So dad lines up on first down. We're 21 personnel, fullback, tailback, and uh, outside linebackers creeping up, and I check to a hitch on the outside, <laughs> and I throw the ball. And I think our receiver and I were off, off, off uh, you know, wavelengths, and he ran a streak. I threw a hitch, incomplete, second down. He calls the same daggone play. You <laughs> we know? can see where this is going. <laughs> so I come back out and 
you know, hey, you know, easy, 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 Omaha, 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 okay, check to the hitch for the second time. And this time, my wide receiver runs the hitch, but he slips on his break, and I sailed him. So we're sitting third down and 10. And uh, he calls the same daggone play. And sure enough, the outside linebacker, okay, creeps up just like he just did to make me check, like I did on first and second down. And he bluffs me, he walks out the last second. I take a three-step drop. He's covering the hitch. And I take a sack. Okay, rookie mistake. So I come off from the sideline after three straight audibles, three straight incompletions. You know, it's a tight game. And there were some choice words on the headset. Okay, we're going to leave it at that. All yeah, right. Yeah. But it was going. And those were the days when you had cords attached to your, your headset. Right. And in a fit of rage, and I'm not proud of this. Okay, so if there's any of my players listening to this, this is not how to handle this. I took that thing and I threw a, a complete vertical with that uh, with that headset and snapped the cord in half. <laughs> and our offensive line coach, Coach Santella, who's been here for a long time, the eyes on his his eyes went to the size of baseballs, and he's looking. Okay, and now the communication is down. Right. And all I can remember, Coach, is. My dad, the, the, the visiting coaches were on the visiting side bleachers up in a press box. And at that point in time, I was like a, a dog that knew, knew he did wrong. And I right. peeked up to the press box and I see my father <laughs> leaning out of the press box, double barrel middle finger in me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I just tried to pretend like I didn't see it. I'm like, right. oh, man, this is this. This angle. Well, at, least you didn't, at least you didn't respond that way. I crawled daddy out of there and went back yeah. out to the next, the next deal. And uh, to finish the story, um, we went back out and on the first play, he calls the same dag. <laughs> well, I knew play. that was coming. And Chad, I checked it and mid mid check. I hear timeout from the sideline. I think I'm going to get grounded. Now yeah. I think, I think, you know, this is going to be time. And he's trying to bench me. You know, so I hear them calling for our, our backup quarterback. And uh, Matt Cottingham had lost his helmet at the time. And uh, so he, he didn't know what his helmet was. I went back out and the very next play. We threw a touchdown. And things things were good. But the double barrel middle finger at, uh, <laughs> at Shepard was, uh, was one that sticks out to me as, a, uh, as one of those ones where we can joke about it now. But, man, when you were in it, it was a live action deal. Well, it's interesting because too, that's part of the uh, quarterback process is knowing, knowing when to check, you know, maybe on first and 10, you could have run the play and, and gotten two, three, set yourself, set yourself up for second and seven. Or That's the kind of thing that I struggle with too, as a high school coach, you know, telling kids, all right, believe what I'm saying. We're calling a play for a certain reason, but if you see something, but you have to know, you have to know time. You have to know down a distance. You have to know game situation. And uh, you want to give, you don't want guys to be a robot. You want them to be able to make those decisions. Um, there was a, it seems like there was a bit of a, a lesson in calling the same play four times in a row. <laughs> well, I will tell you this to, to say what, to, to kind of piggyback to what you just said about, you know, the trust and the bond that you must have with your quarterback or whoever, whoever the signal caller is and everything else in your offense, 
that's the benefit of playing for a guy like your father. And that's, that's the benefit of building those, you know, relationships with the guy, because when a quarterback sees the field in the same manner that the person calling the play sees it, well, you have it all, you know, to me, when your field general sees what you're trying to accomplish, how you're trying to accomplish it and knows what your next thought is, well, then you have it. And it's getting to that process that I believe makes great quarterbacks, right. you know, and being on the page with the play call. And that's where, like, you know, I played for dad in, in college. And, you know, our dinner table was a lot different than most people's dinner tables. Like, hey, you know, pass the stuffing and the mashed potatoes. And did you see that invert cover three safety to the weak side? You know, um, and I think that is, uh, is what every coach should try to get with his quarterback uh, or the play caller and try yeah. to develop that. And on a different note, I think the offense is nowadays, and, and I don't know if you're running uh, much of these, but the, the run pass, pass option offenses sure. where, you know, basically you call a play and it could be one of three options. It's like, you know, whichever, which one they're giving you. So there's a lot less control over the game from a, from a coach's standpoint, from a play caller, right? From a play caller standpoint, you know, you call an inside zone, you know, with a with a run pass option at the second level. Well, you could be running zone, you know, second and seven. You could, you know, be throwing a quick glance, you know, at second and two. You know, you could be throwing a a free access hitch on the outside if if you if you're given that. So, I think there's a lot of less control uh, from the coaching end of it, and you know, the preparation to your quarterback is huge. And, you know, I, I went through that uh, and I was blessed to be coached uh, by a guy who kept it simple. Sure. You know? We have uh, we had a young quarterback this year. And just to speak to that again, you don't want kids to be robots, but um, one of our early games, he missed the first part of the signal. And the second part of the signal uh, he thought was quarterback sneak. So it's first down, <laughs> right? It's first down and we're in the gun, you know, or, or pistol, you know, 99% of the time. So he sees the second part and looks over, we signal again, he missed it again. And, uh, first and first and 10, all of a sudden I see him walking up under center oh, no. and, 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 he, and so, um, yeah, well, I didn't get it's it in time. time. I thought, I thought he was just talking to guys and all of a sudden he snaps the ball quarterback sneak. Yeah. All right. Second and 10. And I asked him, I said, you know, you have to question if, if something doesn't make sense to you, you know, let's, let's, you're fine. Question it again. We'll go through the signals. We had mm -hmm. 20 seconds left on the, on the play clock, you know, but uh, those, you know, that's a process too. You have to go through those oh. processes and understand. And he knew he, he thought it was a strange call. I don't know. You know, I don't <laughs> know what he, what he thought we were trying to get out of it, but obviously, you know, lesson learned there. So the more moving parts you have to the offense, you know, the more communication that you have to have. And when there's a void in communication, negativity fills it, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, you have to be able to communicate those things. That's why when I was a player here, you know, I would, I would come in early to watch film with our offensive line coach, because understanding the, the, the upfront concepts, protections, the things that can hurt your protection, what you like versus different looks, that's invaluable in the run game. Sure. You know, so I would watch film with our line coach and get it from his perspective. What has he seen? Right. And then my, my old man would come in, you know, after hunting and fishing, you know, at, at nine 30 <laughs> in the morning 
And then uh, I'd sit down and go A to Z what he liked. And then we'd come back and I'd watch it with our wide receivers to, to pick up tips on. So we were really watching the film three, four times a day to kind of put each other on the same wavelength. And I think, you know, a lot of younger players got to understand how to watch film, what you're looking at, you know, and you're really watching film to be on the same page. You know, I think a lot of people watch film. uh, Yeah. You're going to pick up tendencies. You're going to do this. It's to get on the same page to understand what you have to do. It's not necessarily what they're doing, you know, if you're an offensive guy, what are we got to do to be successful here? And being on that same wavelength, I think, is a huge, huge component. And uh, it's a transition from you. And you can tell, you know, who is used to watching film um, and what programs watch film and what programs teach their, their, their players and what to look for. You know, what's the terminology? Um, and, and you can tell, you know, when they show up to, to a college campus, you know, who's prepared for that. Right. So you, your coaching career then, you um, started after right after college? Yeah, so uh, you know, I graduated in, in May of, of 2007. And uh, you know, I met my wife at East Stroudsburg and we were, you know, we were Of course her, you did. How could her, it be her, any her other last way? name her last name brew was Twig. Okay. So her maiden <laughs> right. name, that's a story in itself. Okay. So <laughs> You know, football guys, like you've probably been brew to like half of your half of your uh, football. Right. Guys, right. Sure. I've been twig. Actually, I've been little twig since, <laughs> yeah, since right. I was since I was a kid. But I'm in an anatomy class and this this uh this young lady walks up and she says, Hey, why are well, why is everybody calling you twig? I said, Well, that that's my nick that's my nickname. That's my name. And right. she goes, Well, funny, that's that's my maiden name. So one thing led to another. Uh, we started dating. My center looks at me and goes, Hey, Twig, don't you think it's a little odd? You're dating a girl with the same last name. I'm like, come on, man. Like it's Terwilliger. You know, this. he goes, Oh, I didn't even think twice. But uh, when we graduated, uh, my wife and I, you know, we wanted to settle down and, and move. So uh, I got my first teaching job at East Stroudsburg high school, um, teaching phys ed and uh, coach Christian, who I play for said he'd be, extremely excited that if I could come on and, you know, volunteer, uh, I was the junior varsity coach, uh, in 2007 and coach, that was the best gig going. Yeah. No I love you you your own, you were running your own show. Hey, or? we ran the offense, the defense, the special teams. Right. Um, I had state rankings. I'd come in. I'm like, Hey, well, I'm winning state. I'm going to state this year, junior varsity. <laughs> I'll never forget this. I walk into, uh, I walk into a Monday meeting, and uh, uh, the varsity coaches walked in. They're like, Twilliger, the hell are you taking up this this board for? I'm like, hey, these are the JV rankings, man. Uh, you know, I'm going through it. You know, I'm trying to be number one in, in the junior varsity. And uh, it, was, uh, it was outstanding. Still to this day, the only time that I've ever been reported to the PIAA or to the, uh, the Pennsylvania Conference for, you know, a uh, – an issue with officials was during a junior varsity game uh, in 2007. That's, I that's, need to hear that. Well, we had a six foot five, six foot six tackle, uh, defensive tackle named Mike Calvert. I love him, and he was he's like Ferdinand, Ferdinand the bull. He's the, he's, <laughs> he's the biggest bull, you know, on the uh, in the pasture. But 
you know, he did not like to do what the other bulls did. You know, he, he, he was not a, a very physical being at the time. And I'm like, Hey, Calvin, I, I, I just need you to stay low on your stance, bend at the ankles, knees and hips, you know, fire out through. And I'm, I'm trying to get that, that passion, that, that burning desire to, to get the physical, physical part of the game to him and just wasn't clicking. Right. And one day, one day, we th- I think it was, he was on punt team or something, and we punted the ball. And I see Calvert running down, you know, big arms flailing, and he puts a hit on somebody on the opposing sidelines. Now, big Mike Calvert was six foot six, and he hit he hit a Jawa. Okay, he hit yeah, somebody, yeah. and and the kid went went rear end over tin cup, and it was the first physical time I've seen this kid go. So I'm fired up i'm excited we broke it through flag on the play <laughs> flag on the play and he threw it right at mike and then mike starts losing his mind and I was, how could you do this yeah what and uh the official and i had some uh some choice words in sure. a junior varsity game on a monday night yeah. and uh that was it you know and i went home i'm like man i'm embarrassed I can't believe I just <laughs> I got bought into the AD's office as a as a volunteer high school coach, and they said, "What are we doing?" Yeah. And uh, I was like, "Hey, folks, I'm gonna own it." It's the first yeah. time I've seen well, him hit somebody all year, right. so that's all you can do. You know, like you said, it's an emotional thing. It's funny you're talking about rankings. There was a time, and I think uh, no, at the time I was uh, I was the. Well, I was a varsity assistant at Wilson, and we had a uh, special guy who was our uh, manager. Mm-hmm. And I had the idea; we were trying to motivate him, and uh, he sometimes didn't think about what what we should need before a drill or something like that. So uh, I started creating a top ten in Pennsylvania, like put the <laughs> logo at the top, and I'd post it just like you. And we had like the chain guys from you know, Hempfield and the, uh, the, the uh, goalpost, the goalpost wrapper uppers, like, and every week, believe it or not, every week he climbed one on the, on the all, all uh, help crew in Pennsylvania until, and he would come in Monday morning, first thing in the morning, I had to have it ready uh, at Sunday night meeting and he would check, Hey, what's the rankings? <laughs> and I'm like, you got up to number five. I was like, you, you know, the Harrisburg, uh, the Harrisburg water girls didn't, didn't do a good job this week and you jumped them, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, but those are the things that make this game fun. You know, like I think a lot of times, you know, uh, you still got to remember it, we're, we're coaching, we're playing and we're impacting a game, right. you know, and you find that's why like all of my friends and, you know, like I, the staff that I have here at East Stroudsburg, you know, that's, these are the guys that I hang out with. It's a friend, it's a friendship and got to remember, you know, it is played and coached by emotional people and it is, it is a business. The higher you get up in this game, it is a business as, as you see every year around this time. Um, But it is a game. It's a beautiful game and you have fun. And the year that I coached uh, junior varsity football at East Stroudsburg, my word, it, it, it was the most fun I ever had. And it's funny because if you ask, if ask coaches, you know, every junior varsity coach wants to be a varsity coach. Every varsity coach wants to be a, a head coach. Every head varsity coach wants to be a college assistant. 
a college assistant, wants to be a coordinator, and wants to be a head coach in NFL. And you know what the NFL coaches? They want to be a junior varsity coach. Yeah, right. You know? right, and, right, uh, right. It, it, it'll go full circle because, you know, it just doesn't matter to, uh, if, if you're in it for the right reasons. And that's yeah. it. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. You kind of went from, did, did some time at East Stroudsburg coaching, and then you became the head coach at Pleasant Valley. I didn't realize you were there for five years. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you, Chad, I, I don't, don't think I'd ever leave. You know, I didn't think I was ever going to leave Pleasant Valley. I loved it. That place, what great people. You know, I had the time of my life. Did I know everything I was doing? No, I was 24 years old. You know, uh, I coached two years, once, one as a volunteer assistant. And uh, I get approached after after we had beaten um, Pleasant Valley at East Stroudsburg by the superintendent, by Doug Arnold, and said, hey, would you be interested in, uh, in, in coaching at Pleasant Valley? And I said, absolutely. You know, I mean, at that point in time, I, you know, it was it was a great thing for me. It was close to my home. And when I went to Pleasant Valley, um, I had five of the most rewarding years in coaching. Um, you know, was able to build a program there and things that that I believed in, the blue collar mentality that our players had, the parents, the support. You know, it was just an all around great, great experience in my life. Um, and then, you know, sadly, in, in 2013, uh, the school district, you know, went through some major budget cuts and uh, my teaching position was one of them. And at that point in time, you know, I wanted to stay on as the head coach, but, you know, I couldn't see myself. You know, that, it doesn't, I, pay, it doesn't not, pay real well. I was I was asked to no, know it's not people <laughs> understand high school football coaches in Pennsylvania that's not the, that's not what puts the, the food on the plate. You know, um, it's a, it's a stipend. Um, so I was approached about teaching, uh, uh, I guess it was the wood shop. And I said, folks, I ain't qualified to do that. Someone's going to lose a finger in this. Um, and I was lucky enough, uh, once I was furloughed, um, from Pleasant Valley that there was a job at Parkland high school, um, or excuse me, Parkland, I taught elementary school for a year and I went okay. down there, but the five years I had at Pleasant Valley brew was, uh, was, was some of the most rewarding years. Um, and a lot of it just filled with great people relationships. That I still have, uh, we took a team that was, I think they were two or three and, and 20 in the years prior to this. And, uh, in our third year, we went uh, to the district finals. Um, and we did, we did it the right way. We had fun with it. Um, yeah. And it was a really great experience for me. So then, I don't know if I was ready for it. I can yeah. remember this, and I still tell people this all the time. When I was interviewing, my like, my heart was just pumping, sure. you know. And there were sleepless nights where, um, you know, I just would stay up at night just thinking about things because I didn't have the answers. I had a great bunch of mentors that I could go to, and I could say, "Hey, what's your philosophy on this?" Um, but that job challenged me and it, it was a positive stress. And when I tell people all the time when, you know, like, should I go to this job? Should I interview? Well, what makes your heart pump? What challenge, what, what gets it? You know, because in the end game, if it challenges you, 
it can it can be a very positive thing because you're going to rise to the challenge and that job challenged me uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, you know, again, you you now have that to rely on in terms of what uh, coaches that you know you're recruiting their players and mm-hmm. what those coaches are going through and and you know certainly what kids at the high school level go through. You know, I think there's a lot of times guys kind of forget. You know. Uh, once they've been in college for a long time, they, they kind of forget what it was like to be a, uh, a kid balancing a bunch of different things in high school. And and everybody, you know, college coaches come in and they say, we want a guy that he just loves football. And listen, we all do. But guess what? I, I like a balanced kid. You know, in other words, there's kids that, you know, we've had kids at Springford even that, you know, are designated homeless, you know, in Pennsylvania and are, are not necessarily, uh, you know, food unstable, things like that. And guess what? Football might not be the most important thing. Maybe where I'm going to get dinner tonight um, might impact that. So I think that's a, a good perspective to, to have and and, uh, and understand where those guys are coming from and what those kids have gone through, you know, if they want to play college football. I'll tell you what, you know, in my time at Pleasant Valley, I mean, I, I could talk for hours of all the things I learned and all the things I learned maybe not to do, you know, because those lessons are just as important. Sure. Uh, But you know, one thing that sticks out, like if you're coaching high school football, you can coach anywhere. Sure. You know, and, and and the reason why I say this is because when you're a high school coach and you know this, you know, you might wake up in the morning and you might write down your top list of priorities and schedule your day out. Well, guess what? There's going to be 25 things that happen <laughs> right, that right. we're not on that list. And you right, better right. be prepared to be able to pivot and refocus and be able to do it. When you're the head football coach in a high school, you're also the equipment manager. You're also. I've been, know, trying, to, I've, I've been trying to argue for a. Uh, <laughs> a position that's created um, in our school for about 11 years now to get somebody to do that, but they haven't, they haven't uh, picked up on it. So uh, when I went to Parkland high school, Chad, <laughs> um, Parkland has the world's greatest uh, equipment manager. His name is Dave Lucia. And I walked in and on the first day I was at Parkland, Dave Lucia hands me a venison stick and hands me a bag full of Parkland gear. I said, where am I? Is this, this isn't Kansas anymore, man. Like, I looked at Jim Morgans, who was my who was my head coach at Parkland. I said, "Wait, you have a guy that handles the equipment? He does all the budget orders?" I'm like, "Holy <laughs> crap!" You know that was a, that was a really neat deal and good people. But when you're a head coach, you're doing all those things, and you can't skip out on them. Like you know, for instance, and you know this, you know to to do great things, you have to have support from parents clubs and you have to have support you know monetarily you have to have weight room hours and you have to be able to get you know facilities in time so you can do the works and you have to have guidance counselors that are able to upload transcripts and get things on a dime and you know I could go down the list of things that need to be done to run a successful high school football program I learned those on the run much like everybody does sure and if you can do that you can do any job in the world, you know, and, and a lot of people will say, um, you know, one difference in, in uh, you know, college coaching and high school coaching, well, is recruiting. I'm like, you think high school coaches don't recruit? Right. You know, 
Uh, and when well, I was, are we going to get into a boundary, non-boundary conversation, or you mean <laughs> you mean within your own school? <laughs> yeah, listen, man, I get into that. I ain't touching that one with pencil. I know college coaches don't want to touch that now. Yeah, but yeah, it's, you're it's talking about league. you're talking about your own uh, hallway. Yeah. Well, it, it, the other thing I was going to say is, um, you know, when I was a, at Pleasant Valley High School, and recruiters would come in the office, you know, I would sit down and I would I would listen to what they had to say. Yeah. And, and I would talk with our players about it. And to me, though, I had great I had great uh, relationships and I had great ownership in East Stroudsburg University. I wanted our players going to what was best for them. Sure. Like during my time at Pleasant Valley, we sent more players to other other Pennsylvania conference schools than we did just because that was the fit for the kid. And that was the fit for the, the particular person that was there. And uh, you know, I learned that end of the business doing it from from the head of high school position. You know, so in 2015, you went back to East Strasburg University after being with uh, Coach Morgan's at Parkland for a year. And uh, was your dad part of that interview process or did he? <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen, uh, no, he was not. Um, <laughs> that interview process was really different. Um, you know, I, I, I had known everybody. Sure. On That's that. sometimes more uncomfortable than... That, that's more awkward than if you don't know anybody in the room. Well, Chad, this is, this is what, what, what really got me on this one was um, the DB's position. It was a defensive backs position that was open. Um, and it opened up really late. Like I'm talking the end of July. Oh, wow. So I'm at Parkland coaching quarterbacks, getting ready for, you know, uh, my second season there. We had gone to the state quarterfinals I think the year before we had everybody coming back uh quarterback was headed to Virginia he was a heck of a talent and uh I get a call from Denny and for for those uh people listening that that know coach Dowds you can relate to any of his calls hey what's doing locker room gossip you know everybody has a version of his uh voice yeah yeah. (laughs) everyone's got something That, that that's my best my best impersonation but uh, I said, not the coach. And he asked me um, if I would be interested in the defensive backs position. Now to kind of uh, backtrack a little bit, my wife is a cystic fibrosis patient and uh, she has battled that disease, uh, you know, forever. It's, it's a, it's a degenerative disease. And she was just listed at that time on the lung transplant list. And we were living in Stroudsburg. And I was commuting to Parkland every day. And it was a very difficult time at any point in time if she had the, uh, the call for a transplant. Right. Uh, we, would have to, we would have to make some major uh, decisions. So personally, it made sense. Professionally, I had never coached defensive backs before. Yeah. You know? And you talk about challenging. You know, when you put the X's over the O's and then you try to flip that, yeah, like, I hate to tell you, that's a difficult thing to no, do. I hear you. All of our defensive coaches break my chops all the time. And they, and they say, Twig, you, you have it upside you, down. You got it upside down. Well, that's <laughs> difficult to do when your entire life. And, uh, you know, I relied on a, a lot of great mentors, great people that I could call on to, uh, to help me out. Marshall Roberts, um, you know, was, was a guy who was huge in my, my uh, development. And uh, I went in as the DBs coach. So, I walk in, Denny, Coach Dowds doesn't tell a soul that I'm hired, <laughs> but he kind of knows it's going to happen because it was late. So he says, hey, 
we got coaches meetings tomorrow. I'm like, tomorrow? <laughs> so I walk in. The entire staff is in, a, is in a meeting room. And I walk in with a big red book. And, and if you've played or coached with Coach Dowds, you know that he's got a big red book that goes A to Z, the football program. That sucker doesn't change. Right. And I'm sitting in the back corner. Everyone's like, that was the old quarterback doing here for me? you know, <laughs> and um, it's the big kept secret because, you know, uh, it, it, it was late in the game and this and that. And he says to me after that meeting, Hey, Thursday, you're presenting on the special teams. I went, what? <laughs> like, you know, what, what are we doing? He goes, no worries. Turn to page 75 in your, in your playbook. <laughs> this is what you're presenting. So, you know, from Monday to Thursday, I'm, typing up everything, putting it in PowerPoint. Cause yeah, right. you know, I'm in this new generation where if you can't PowerPoint it or huddle it, you know, right. uh, you know, that was the deal. So I got up and nobody knows who I am in the room, except for dad, Santella and, and coach Dowds, everybody else was new at the time. And I'm presenting on, on, on East Stroudsburg special teams. So uh, that was my introduction to back to East Stroudsburg university as a DB's coach. So well, we'll circle back to uh, Coach Dowd's stories in a little bit, but um, talk about, you know, I think it's been three years now that your wife, um, you know, had the lung transplant. I know that, um, you know, when you were recruiting, we sat down for a little bit and you shared some of those uh, times with me, but um, talk about that a little bit. I thought, you know, just a blessing. And, and I think everybody, you know, we all take for granted um, just breathing. Sure. just the ability to take a deep breath in like and i've come to to some some real realizations um you know when when it's difficult just to do something like get a full breath of of air in and my wife when she was transplanted was down around you know 12 percent of her lung lung capacity and for for people that that don't know what that is like take a straw a long straw and just just breathe out of that you know constantly walk up a flight of stairs you know like we just couldn't do things as a family. And uh, my daughter was, you know, was, was, was three or four at the time. And, you know, my wife is an unbelievable mother. It was, it was heartbreaking to see that. And, you know, it impacted me a lot because um, it was, it's like coaching. Like there was no, there was no game plan for this and we had to adapt and we had to pivot. And uh, when she, we went through um, two different uh, dry runs where she was called. We went to the operating table, went down to University of Pennsylvania. She's on the operating table. You know, I'm pacing left and right. And all of a sudden, uh, the, the lungs, we, we can't do it. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was a lot of ups and downs. Um, but what I will say is this, is, uh, you know, the, the care of the people that were there for my wife were, were, or made that process as easy as it can go. Um, there are some really special, talented people in this world. Like I think about being a good football coach and, and being the top, you know, top percentage of football coaches in the history of coaching. And then I think about a lung surgeon sure. who you know, has the talent to take somebody else's uh, lungs, you know, and, and be able to do that skill that's a one percenter to me. Sure. And uh, there are some really talented people. And then, you know, when we were going through that, I can remember sitting down with you during recruiting. I was living in Philadelphia at the time. Right. Right. Transplant house to transplant house. 
you know, recruiting during the day, coming back, bringing food home for my wife um, and sleeping in a hospital chair for like six months. Um, and during that time, you know, people had come to my side, um, you know, people in our community, they, they had uh, reached out. There was a GoFundMe page that helped us through some really dark times. I'll give you a great example of how it brought people together. Um, Jimmy Clements and Ross Pennypacker at Kutztown, sure. you know, they bought us a meal one night, you know, and, you know, here, here we are recruiting against one another and playing each other, but, you know, that brings people together. It was pretty awesome. Um, my wife is three years out of transplant. It is, you know, to me, it is a walking, talking inspiration. You know, forget about football sometimes. It's been pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, um, I remember you, uh, you were here and you were, you looked pretty tired, but I will, <laughs> uh, I will say that you had a tremendously positive spirit about you with that whole thing. And, and you certainly were, um, you impressed upon me that, uh, you know, you knew that you had faith that this was going to go the right direction. And, and this was a temporary, you know, situation and, and, uh, here you are, what, three years later, we're three years out. It's a brand new life, you know? Um, and, and for people that don't know cystic fibrosis, you know, it's a degenerative lung disease where mucus, uh, invades your ability for your, for your, uh, your lungs to take in air almost clogs up your, your, uh, your lungs. Uh, Boomer Esiason is very active. His son, uh, Gunnar Esiason, uh, is diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. So I actually had a conversation with Boomer. He had called me one day and was there as a, as an advocate for me. Um, and, and it's just been outstanding, you know, in every, every sense of the world, um, you know, three years with brand new, brand new lungs. I, I thank God every day that, um, you know, somebody was, was, was um, gracious enough to put down that they were an organ donor. And, you know, I can't, you know, greater gift has no man than to give his life uh, for a friend. And I really could not uh, be more thankful to the family, um, you know, of people who are organ donors because it, it saved my wife's life and my heart, you know, goes out to, to that family who lost somebody. Uh, but it gave life to somebody else. And it's, it's a true blessing to me. So the uh, quickly we'll touch on, you know, you uh, are an avid hunter and fisher men, <laughs> and uh, you live in the East Stroudsburg area where there is uh, plenty of that to do. Um, what do you get from that? You know, a lot of guys I know, you know, there's guys that retire that are football coaches or teachers and they, they, I was just talking to somebody who had uh, been a teacher, principal, football coach for 40 years and got out and now he doesn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, I think you can't put all your eggs in one basket and, and, you know, you, so what do those things do for you? So uh, to me, um, I probably have too many hobbies to be (laughs) really elite at any of them. Um, But what I get out of it is this is, I love fly fishing and I love tying flies. Um, the time that it takes me to, when I get out of the office, I go into a stream, you know, I read the water and I see where the water breaks and where fish might be, what's hatching, what type of bugs are coming off. You know, what do I need to tie on here? I, I probably drop a fly. I tie another <laughs> one on, you know, I, I flop my first cast in the water. I got to present it better. You know, all that time it takes to just, catch a fish 
I'm not thinking about anything else other than fishing. Right. And to me, having something that balances you is a, is a tremendous deal. You know, all work and no play leaves Johnny a dull boy. Yeah. You know, like uh, I have a rule in this office at 11 o'clock every day. I turn the lights off, everybody out. I don't care what you do, but you can't stay here. Okay. Go do something. Um, And it's more or less the fact of, you know, if, if you wake up in the morning and this is all you do, you have no other hobbies, you know, to me, you're limiting yourself. So, you know, I'm a avid uh, uh, fisherman. I love archery hunting. Those are my passions. Uh, Football um, is something that I get to do every day. And that's a blessing that that could be taken from me at any point in time. Sure. You know, so uh, that's the one thing when I do have spare time, I'm I'm an advocate. I have to invite you up. My wife and I just purchased 87 forest acres in New York. (laughs) And uh, that's kind of a retirement plan. But I'm with you on that. Like when I, sometimes my kids give me a hard time about, hey, we're going to go camping for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's their initial reaction to it. But once they're there and there's just a peacefulness to walking around the woods, there's a stream Mm -hmm. and a lake up the, up the, up the road and, and just kind of uh, decompressing yeah. and not really, unfortunately they can still get a signal on their phone, but it does go away. Uh, <laughs> we, we put, we put those away, but just kind of decompressing for a little bit uh, gets you back to where you need to be to, to regenerate that energy, to do whatever you're doing. Well, you know, you just, you get in that 87 acres. First off, let me give you some advice. Go ahead. Don't share your secret spots. Yeah. Okay. Keep your honey holes. I gotcha. You know, you, or, or, or do the old Terry Bradshaw technique, you know, cover them up and, and, and take them up there. But uh, yeah. I will tell you this is um, the more time you can spend, you know, just those are the times to me. And, and I've learned this. I forget where I there's uh, low quality fun. And then there's high quality fun, you know, like low quality fun is, uh, you know, let's play a video game and you have fun playing it. But when you put that sucker down, you forget about it, you know, you don't tell stories of how great that video game was, but you take a camping trip. That's high quality fun. Right. You know, because in the time you're going through it, ah, it's cold. You're trying to get uh, wood out. You're doing this, you're doing that. And those are the times where you look back, like, remember that camping trip, you know? Right. And yeah, that was awesome. Right. And that to me, uh, the more high quality fun that you can have outside of your sport, outside of you know, what you do, um, the better off you're going to be. My son does claim that he played uh, some NBA player. I can't remember off the top of my head on uh, NBA 2K Live. He played somebody and beat him. And I was like, how do you even know that that was him? He's like, oh, they're verified. And so he has one story. But that's there, it. There Only it one story. Only one. There, there it is. <laughs> of all them video games, you, you can remember one. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. The other, well, we do talk about one other uh, video game situation where my avatar uh, knocked his avatar out in UFC. So that that's one we refer to in our house too. But, um, you know, Denny Dowds was at East Stroudsburg for um, pretty much forever. I think he probably was born there. Uh, and there, you know, I'm sure you have a ton of stories, but maybe we can start backwards because Denny retired in a very uh, unique way um, that made the national national news and uh, it involved extra timeouts. Yeah. It involved, uh, you know, uh, an abrupt, mm-hmm. abrupt departure. 
So yeah. go ahead and tell us from, uh, you know, some of the experiences you had during that. Well, so I'll give you kind of the perspective um, and the behind the scenes of Coach Dowds' fourth timeout. And by the way, <laughs> you know, when this coaching thing, you know, ends for me, I'm definitely writing a book. It's going to, you know, my, my time in football is the fourth timeout. Okay. Sure. Um, oh, that's, but that's a great name for a book. The fourth timeout. Um, <laughs> but Coach Dowds, um, for those of you who don't uh, know how he retired, um, he – in our last home game in 2018, um, we were playing Ohio Dominican. Um, it was a it was a non-conference game. We picked up really late. It was home. It was a rainy, cold day. I think there was maybe 50 people in the stands that day. It was so cold, November, rainy day. And, uh, you know, we were getting beat pretty good at the end of the third quarter, but our guys came back and we were within – a score or two in an onside kick. So we were taking our timeouts, taking our timeouts. Um, and when we didn't get the last onside kick, no timeouts left, uh, you know, we kind of knew the game was in the bag. And I look over and uh, they're taking a knee. And there's like 15 seconds left. And Coach Dowds is ripping an official. He's ripping them. Hey, call a timeout. Call a dog. And the official kind of, you know, cocks back to him and says, Hey, you have no more timeouts and there's 15 seconds left. You're down by two scores. <laughs> right. And uh, then he goes, if you don't call it, I'm going to call it. And he takes a whistle out from his back pocket and he blows <laughs> the whistle. And no one really knows this. So all of a sudden here's the head football coach, the old ball coach, I call him blowing the whistle, the head official, you know, was waving his hands for a timeout and thinking that the side judge blew it. Right. So he brings the entire team together on the sideline. And if you can imagine, it's just mass chaos. Like players are on the sideline. People are going, what the hell's going on? So Denny brings them all together and, hey, take a knee. He says, men, it's been a privilege to coach you and thank you for playing for me for all these years. But now it's time for you to play for that man. He points at me. And Chad, he turns around and he walks <laughs> and he just starts hauling tail to, to the, the back gate there. Now the opposing coach is who's just equally like, what the heck's going on? Um, shakes his hand. He turns around. I'll never forget this visual he turns around at the back gate. He's got his car parked right at the back gate. He tips his hat. Gets in his car and drives. Okay. So now the official comes up and he's like, well, uh, coach, that's a, that's a five yard penalty. Uh, and there's a 15 second or 10 second runoff. I was like, come on guy. Like, like, all right, let me get everybody back together. End of the game goes, uh, our players go to shake hands. The athletic director grabs me. University president grabs me. Says, all right, officially coach Dowds has retired. Um, you know, you're the active head football coach, uh, and I'm kind of speechless with words. So right. I bring the team down and I said, guys, we just got to stick together. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's take it one step at a time. You know, it's I important know it was, to know, by the way, in this story, like none of the assistant coaches knew anything was going zero. on. Correct. Right. Absolutely. Nobody zero. knew anything. No, no one knew a thing that <laughs> not even his wife knew. Okay? Yeah, there you go. So, um, you know, obviously my heart is, is just pounding because here's a man I love, 
Like I love, I love coach downs. I'd fight for him. I'd run through a wall for him. Uh, he lives three houses down from me. Um, and, and that, that is my childhood hero. So I'm torn emotionally because I just witnessed, you know, something that I, I never thought in all my years <laughs> that it would go down like this. So I get the staff together uh, and I immediately drive over to his house and there he is watching the Yankee game. <laughs> He's watching the Yankees. Play. So I looked at him I'm like, what are, like, coach? And I'm in tears. Like I, I, I'm, I'm teared up. And uh, he goes, Hey, we got a man. Nobody knew. And that was what he wanted. He thought it was a joke. At, like I'm like, but coach, you know, I got to know for my own sake, was this what you wanted? You know, the, the, right, and right. because, you know, the way I perceived it was, um, you know, someone was taught you need to go. And, you know, I don't know. I couldn't be able to do that. You know, neither would I want the job at East Stroudsburg if, if my childhood hero, out, yeah. you know, was pushed out. Um, and he laughed. And he said, no, this, you know, he had researched it. He had it planned out to the T. He parked his car at the gate. He had the security <laughs> guard unlock the gate, which was unlocked. <laughs> he said he had every but, everything in line except for he didn't think about the timeouts. That was the only part of the plan that didn't go. Um, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. We still had two games left to play, you know. Yeah, so, I forgot about that. Oh, we had we had two games left to play that year. Uh, so it was an odd finish to the year. And our, our players handled it with grace. Um, and it was, it was a unique way of doing it. But if anybody knows Coach Dowds, they know that he's always danced to the beat of a different drummer. Right. He's a bit and, unique, like, you know, uh, you had some notes with, uh, about, you know, pregame music and odd eating habits and spoils of victory. Well, you know, he's the, he's the only man I know that will eat an ice cream sundae before he eats his real meal. Like, he'll walk <laughs> in the cafeteria and he'll have a banana split and he's wolfing down like, hey, really packing them on. He goes, oh, no, this is an appetizer, you know, <laughs> and when we would win on the road, you know, like he would come through with, with a briefcase full of Kit Kats and Snickers bars. Hey, spoils of victory. But if you lost, you didn't get it. There was no, he got candy bars for days. You know, um, I'm still finding out, you know, in our field house now, you know, I've been, I've been the head coach here for, this will be two years now. I'm still finding like little nooks and crannies where there was football stuff like stored. You know, um, shoved in a corner. Yeah. I mean, little, 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 uh, closets and stuff. So, um, he's always, he's always done it his way, a different way. And, uh, his retirement, um, what I will tell you is this, it is the most selfless act I have ever seen of a, of a human being ever, because he did it with the intentions that he did not want to take, um, any type of focus away from me becoming the head coach here. And yeah. he didn't want the grand hurrah of him leaving to overshadow and, and make it hard for me. And I'm, I'm very blessed. Uh, that he didn't, that he didn't think about the national media picking but up. On the I told him, I said, I said that same exact thing. I'm like, coach, you didn't think it was going to be on ESPN. And, and I'd have to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, really, I love the man. He did it his way. Uh, and he's always been very different. And I'm very blessed to have played for a guy uh, like him.
it's shaped who I am and how I coach. Now your dad uh, has been there since, you know, we started um, circling back on that has been there for ever and a day. Mm-hmm. And certainly um, sure it crossed his mind to become a head coach at some point and probably had, you know, opportunities, people reaching out to him or, or that type of thing. But he, mm-hmm. he always stayed at East Stroudsburg yeah. and that's kind of a, obviously a very unique thing in, in coaching circles. Um, so, you know, did, how did your dad feel about all that? You know, uh, in terms of, you know, it late, it was laid out for you a little bit, obviously at that point, he was probably, you know, fine with it. Yeah. Um, but I will, I will say this is, uh, you know, along with Denny being, you know, one of the most selfless acts uh, of kindness, um, you know, in, in doing the, you know, retiring the way he did, uh, dad is very similar, you know, in that. And I don't think in this coaching profession, you can find the longevity, you know, that, 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 that dad, Mike Twilliger has had, right. you know, um, it's, it, you know, you talk Denny Dowds, Mike Twilliger, you know, that, you're talking about guys who go at one place and stay at one place for a long time. And you just don't find that anymore. You You're know? not finding it in high school, yeah, it, much yeah. less college. You know, and, and, you know, it's, it's just, a, it's a different thing. And, uh, you know, dad has, has, I mean, in 2007, he was the AFCA assisting football coach of the year. You know, he was a lifetime achievement award winner through the AFCA in 2015. Like he's done, everything in his position and you know what a better guy you know more loyal to a program to a person than than that and, and I think that makes a great assistance um, with me taking over here you know honestly you know I have always felt like my dad is the face of East Stroudsburg you asked me like blood runs thick you know right. our program mantra that's not mine that's not that's not Jimmy Twilliger that's Mike Twilliger you know, that's something I learned along the, the way. And, uh, you know, a lot of everything that I know comes from him. Um, and, you know, he, he is a head coach, you know, you know, in an assistant position. Right. And I think a lot of times, you know, people don't follow titles, you know, people don't follow uh, positions. What they do is they follow men. And, you know, he's always been a very, you know, loyal, honest, um, great leader and people follow that. And if, the way I look at it is, you know, I hope that I have multiple head coaches, you know, on our staff. He is one of them. Now, when they did officially name me head coach, I'm a ball breaker. So I bought him <laughs> in and, and you know, he walks in and he's real emotional with me. He says, he says, I couldn't be more proud of my son. I couldn't be more proud. I'm like, well, you know, that I, I kind of need a couple copies here and I like my coffee black. Can you, can you <laughs> right, right. he looked at me like he was about to knock my, my, my teeth in, but uh, it, well, it, it is, it's awesome because, you know, here's the thing too. And I, you know, maybe this is a question more for your dad to answer or whatever, but you know, when you look at guys like Mike Yersich, your dad's offenses were setting records mm-hmm. all over the place. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, maybe that trajectory could have been his at some point, you know, we honestly thought, so I'll answer to that is, uh, you know, his body of work with quarterbacks, I will say this is unrivaled. Um, you know, when you look at, you know, I'm very jealous and envious and, and I hope that someday I could have the resume that he's had, you know, he's had 11 Harlan Hill candidates, 
you know, in the last 22 years, you know, you know, our quarterbacks have always been in the tops of stats and, and, and being able to throw the football. And what's unique about him is he's always kept it simple. Like if you came up and you talked football at East Stroudsburg, you're not going to get any crazy innovative ideas, like walk away and go, wow, that's something unbelievable. Like you would get with a year check or you'd get with, you know, some of these offensive coordinators, what you'll get is base concepts that have stood the test of time, but taught in an unbelievable simplistic fashion. And uh, in 2005, when we made a run to this national semifinals and we lost uh, to Grand Valley State, there was a feeling on the plane that that year where when I, we looked over and, uh, you know, that was the best in my opinion, that was the, one of the best football teams that ever came through this program in the national spotlight. We thought that that might have been it for Denny. You know, that, yeah. that at that point in time, we had gotten all the way to the national spotlight. Um, and, you know, we we could feel like, you know, maybe that, that was time that, that, that you might see a change. And, you know, I played on the offensive side and all the offensive guys thought, well, you know, Twig is, is the uh, – would be the next head coach right, right. um <laughs> there's a there's a, a story that goes on where a spring spring game and uh you know dad and denny are are like are like you know two two bulls in a china shop so dad's coaching the offense denny's coaching defense so we huddle up and we're at the spring game so there's fans uh sitting on the side hill there at practice and dad comes out and he goes all right we're going to go zero, zero personnel. So we got five wide receivers in the game. So we huddle up, got 20 guys in the huddle there, and we come out and empty. And Coach Dowds is running a 4-4-60 control, cover three defense, sees empty, goes, hey, timeout. Calls a timeout. And he yells, nickel. And uh, so he brings in the, the third or fourth DB, and they're going to play a three-man front. So we get back in the huddle up to this timeout in the spring game, and dad goes, 22 people in the huddle. All right, let's go 21 personnel. <laughs> Brings the tight end, the fullback in. We break the huddle. We walk out in I formation, and Denny's sitting in a nickel defense. And Denny looks over and goes, hey, timeout. And, you know, comes back in the huddle. And now they're starting to chirp at each other. You, know, right. you can hear Denny go, hey, keep it clean. Let us right. know what you're going to do. And Denny yells out, regular. So then dad smiles at the offense there's 22 guys <laughs> and of course he goes all right we're going zero zero personnel and we walk out and empty there's the third timeout and chad we could have done this all all day right those not two, run one play those two, it was like it was like you know uh, it, uh, an immovable object meets an unstoppable force right. and we could have called timeouts and maybe you know coach dowds would have had to you know, look at his, uh, his usage of timeouts, you know, like yeah, yeah, right. his so it started all the way back then. It started back then, but yeah. they were both head coaches to us. And when we played here, um, you know, dad is just as much of a head coach as anybody is. Yeah. It's just the title. Um, so let's we'll kind of wrap this up a little bit and, uh, give you a chance to talk about your program. Now I know that you, uh, are utilizing social media and things like that to, uh, you know, enhance your brand. And, and I see a couple things 
Um, definitely the way of the warrior stuff, the blood run stick stuff, the mantra that you have and um, talk a little bit about that and what you, you know, what you want to get out of your program, what kind of guys you're looking for and, and uh, you know, how you, how you see East Stroudsburg football going forward. Yeah. I mean, I don't think East Stroudsburg's football, you know, I think there's a lot of parallels to anybody running a program anywhere, whether it's, you know, middle school, high school, if you're, you know, the volunteer JV coach. Um, to me, you know, I want to have a great experience for our student athletes. Like I want our guys to come in here and love playing this game. And I think you do at, at Spring Ford. I think, you know, when you leave Spring Ford and you leave East Stroudsburg University, you should have had an experience, friendships, memories that last you a lifetime. You know, to me, that's the program philosophy. The philosophy is warriors for life. You know, um, I'm a walking, talking example of that. And I think that goes for you know everybody. You know, I mean, they're not going to put your win-loss record on your gravestone, you know. So, you know, you impact people by having an unbelievable experience. That's my philosophy. Um, you know, when, when you look at how we get there, you know, it's nothing innovative. I believe it, it starts with work ethic, you know, and, and you, you've got you've to put the time and the work in. There's no uh, magic carpet rides. There's no shortcuts to being successful. You know, so, you know, if I'm recruiting a young man from Spring Ford or from East Stroudsburg High School, the first thing, you know, like that I'm going to ask you is, you know, does he have a work ethic? Who is he for you? Um, because chances are he's not going to change very much. And, you know, to me, high school football coaches, when I coach there, you have the greatest impact on, on forming, you know, those values. When they come to me, they come to a university, you know, they have, they have repped it. You know, it's hard to change, you know, those types of, of tendencies. And when you have a great philosophy in a high school, well, you know, that translates into college. I, I believe in, you know, being extremely competitive in all things. You know, I don't play recreational monopoly with Mrs. Twig. I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a, with you on that. No, I'm mean, with you on that. She gets the boardwalk, I get the park <laughs> place, and that could that could mean I'm sleeping on the couch. Right. You know? So, uh, but I, you know, you want players that are are highly competitive, so that it just really doesn't matter who you play, you know. And I tell our players all the time, there's a difference in being competitive and being a competitor. You know, like everybody wants to play, and and you know that doesn't make you a competitor. A competitor is going to put the work in to deserve victory. You know, like if I'm playing somebody, you know, one-on-one -on -one in basketball, I'm going to toss him the basketball and say, hey, take a few warm-up shots. I'm watching what hand he dribbles with. I'm watching if he's got a fadeaway. You know, you know, can he cross over with some sauce? You know, and that way, hey, all right, I'm giving him the left-hand fadeaway because I know I can, I can outboard him here. And I'm going to put myself in position to win. And if you have highly competitive people at good positions that will find ways of winning, well, then – you can beat highly talented teams. And then, you know, to me, the last thing that I value is doing it right. You know, Coach Dowds' mantra was do it right for the right reasons, you know, in the right fashion. And, uh, you know, to me, you know, doing it right, you know, you know at a very young age what right and wrong is. 
he would taught that as your values, your high school coaches taught him. You know, to me, this, you know, at least my, this football program doesn't mean to be a rehab program. I'm not trying to change people. Right. You know, I want good people that are willing to give back in the same fashion that people gave back to me when my wife and my daughter and I, you know, had, had a hard time. And that blood run stick hashtag that you see, it basically means you're a hundred percent committed 100% of the time. Doesn't matter what's going on. You know, you know, if, if you need something in your life, if you're a hundred percent committed 100% of the time, drop what you're doing. Yeah. You know, uh, the other day we had an outside linebacker call me and says, Twig, I need your help. Miss Twig, hold on. I got to go down and help, help the outside linebacker out. He needed a car right. jump. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Couldn't call anybody else. Couldn't call anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what, no, that's what blood run stick is. And, and to me, um, you know, winning and losing is a byproduct of what you do. And it takes a lot, takes a lot of moving parts. As you well know, you know, when you work in a school district um, or if you work at a university, it takes a village to be successful and you need everybody pulling in the right direction. If you have that, you have it all. If you don't have it, you know, it makes it very difficult. And right now at East Stroudsburg, we have, uh, you know, we have a lot of really good people, you know, that are pulling in the right direction. We have a great coaching staff and, you know, I'm honored to be here and carry the torch and there will be people after me and there will be, you know, I'm not doing it as long as the coach Dowds have done it. Yeah. You know, I'd be clinically insane. Well, let me ask it. you this. Is there anything, you know, all different schools have different traditions. Some of them, you know, are more superstitious than, than they are necessarily uh, mm-hmm. worthwhile. But is there anything that will not change, um, you know, whether it's a helmet decal or this, mm-hmm. that, or the other that coach Dowds did that you will not change? Oh man, that's, that's a difficult question because there's just so much about our program that the, the, the core fundamentals are, are there. Um, what I would tell you is this, is um, he always said something to us that the integrity of the individual will always be preserved, you know, and when you're coaching people, you know, I think, you know, we want to coach in a positive manner. I mean, that's something that that will never change here. Um, other things that won't change. Well, our logos and our decals have changed, but that's a university policy. Right. Right. Um, that's a great question. I, I, I don't know of very many things that we can't advance. I don't want to change things. I would say we want to advance them. Sure. Um, and, and that's something that I think, you know, when you look at there, it's, it is a lot of different stuff from what coach Dowds did but they're advancements. They're not changes. And the core things are probably the same. The core, the, the core, the core components of the program, of um, the open door policies, you know, those are all things that I think need to stay the same, but in terms of, you know, practice schedules and, 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 you know, tangible things. Well, I'm always looking to do it better. Oh, right. I, I'm right. always looking at doing it. And it's not change for the sake of change. It's more advancement because we want to be better than we've ever right. been. Gotcha. Well, listen, thanks a lot for taking time out of your day. This was uh, great. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, you recruiting our guys come if we ever get out of this, if we ever get out of this, but uh, 
the same same thing here. And I really appreciate you putting this together. Uh, I have enjoyed this. Uh, you know, this is what the third podcast. Yeah, this is the third um, episode. Yep. And uh, I I hope and I pray that you continue to do this because. Um, and bringing up on more personalities in PA football, we have some of the best coaches. I would love to learn and yeah. hear from from different people. Uh, it's something that that resonates with with, with me. And uh, you know, please keep doing this. It's it's a really it's an honor to be on. Uh, but you know, I, I'd like to to continue that. Uh, I could. appreciate that. I appreciate that. You do definitely learn things from different people and guys who have been in through it before. Obviously, you're well aware of that. Um, as your, uh, as your career speaks for itself. So you've surrounded yourself with great people and I think that's a huge part of it. So thanks a lot for coming on and uh, we'll get back. We'll be in touch. All right, man. Hey, best wishes. Stay safe and I hope to see you soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks for joining us this week on the PA Football Story Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook or on our website, pafootballstory.podbean.com where you can subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast platform or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating, a follow, a like, a share, or just simply tell a friend about the show. We look forward to you joining us on future podcasts.